Praise the Lord, family. Oh, we can do better than that. That wasn't a suggestion. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise God. Our God is an awesome God. And we love Him and we bless Him. Welcome, everybody. I'm Bishop Parnell. I'm Lovelace Jr. And it's a joy to share with you. You get me two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. So our beloved pastor is back home, and he is uh, preparing to share with us on next weekend to launch us out into a new series, Pastor Lance. And so we're excited about what he's going to be sharing with us. But uh, I've been asked to share kind of an interim teaching right in between the series. We just finished the book of Habakkuk. How many of you enjoyed the book of Habakkuk as a series? Did I bless you? And uh, we'll be going, as I say, launching into a new series on next weekend. But I want to uh, just continue with the focus of this year that we're locking in on in regards to just wisdom, understanding how to live out the wisdom of God. And I want to share a word with you that I believe will encourage our hearts. So let's pray. We've got a lot of scriptures to cover, and uh, we want to jump right into our teaching. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so very much for this, your beloved and my dear ones that are here. Would you now, Lord, give us clarity of thought, continuity of thinking, accuracy of the text. Help your servant to share in such a way that even the youngest amongst us will be able to embrace and understand the powerful truth that is given to us through Scripture. We love you. We bless you. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way. Move in our midst. Do something special for the people that we would not leave here the same way that we came. And we'll be careful to give you all of the glory, the adoration, and the praise, O God, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you'll open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We want to talk to you about wisdom to believe and to receive. Wisdom to believe and to receive. Wisdom to believe and receive. This is Pentecost Sunday. 50 days after Easter, seven weeks after Easter, it is referred to as Pentecost Sunday. Many of our churches, unfortunately, do not take time to study church calendar and understand some of these important marks or uh, dates within church history. This being one where we have the church coming forth after being empowered, baptized, by Jesus, baptized with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, now comes upon his church. And his church does the work that Jesus was doing in his earthly ministry. So this is Pentecost Sunday. This is a weekend that we, we think and commemorate the fact that the Holy Spirit is present with us today. He is here right now. He lives in each and every believer. So, wisdom to believe and to receive, and how do we activate the power of Pentecost? How do we release and exude the presence of the Holy Spirit within our life? For indeed, the life of a believer requires faith in God's Word 
and the desire to apply the wisdom of God's Word in our daily lives. We have been given the abiding presence. Let me emphasize the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit to to equip and to empower us as to experience the manifestation of God's love, not only for us, but through us towards others. In other words, we're not blessed just to be blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. Wisdom, we shall find, is the key element that moves us, directs us, guides us, moves us from believing to receiving God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for our lives. I I, I want to be ever so bold with you, family. I want to be ever so bold as to tell you, we need not be passive with what we possess. Thank you, all five of you that agree with that. (laughs) The rest of you, let it just sink in. We need not be passive with what we possess. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. We need not be passive about that. I, I watch people, and it's interesting, we get excited about a lot of things. You know, this is graduation season, and I'm watching folks walk across the stage and how excited they are, and, they, you know, they're exuberant, and they're, they're screaming and dancing and so forth. But then when we start talking about the things of God, all of a sudden folks want to get quiet. We want to get passive. We need not be passive with what God has given us, what we possess within our lives. We affirm on this Pentecost weekend that we are the Lord's spirit-filled and empowered change agents that he has placed upon the earth for his purposes, bringing distinction in every scenario of life as believers within our family, within our church, within the community, and even within the world. Will you take the brochure uh, the bulletin that you received this morning, you'll find that there a fill-in, and I want you to fill this in, if you will, please. And uh, just just f- fill these uh, three words that I'm going to give you. It is God's desire to do many mighty works in my life. It is God's desire to do many mighty works. That's your fill-in. In my life. Let's affirm that. Would you just take your hand and place it on your chest and say that with me. Just repeat after me. It is God's desire to do many mighty works in my life. Absolutely. It is God's desire to do many mighty works. Not a few, but many mighty works within our lives. If you look with me here at the text in Matthew 13... I'll read beginning here at verse 1, and you follow along with me. Listen to the account that is given. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and a great crowd, or great crowds, gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. Uh, If you stop for just a moment, it was not unusual for Jesus in speaking to large crowds to get in a boat and get in the water and push out and speak to the people on the beach because of the uh, topography that was there, his voice would be amplified to the masses. They didn't have a PA system as we have. And so his voice would amplify to great multitudes of people. 
And notice in verse 3, and he told them many things in parables. Often when Jesus would speak, he would teach utilizing parables or stories that the people in hearing them, uh, that they were simple stories that were tied to daily living, uh, things that they could understand what he was talking about. He would speak of just daily life issues and things and activities, and he would use it to give illustration or to give a story. But what was unusual or what was different or distinct about Jesus' teaching in parables is that often he would speak to a crowd of people, the multitudes, and there would be two types of folks that were in the audience, real easy, believers and unbelievers. Those who were following and those who were the critics. And so Jesus, knowing this, would utilize parables as a means, watch this, of presenting deep truths relative to the kingdom of God. And only the believer could understand it. The Holy Spirit would take these simple stories and give deep revelation to the believer. The believer could grasp it. And many times Jesus would sit there as he was ministering to it. He would go back and explain it to the people that he was speaking to. But only even then, when he would explain it and open it up, only the believer would say, ah, I get it. But the unbelievers would still find themselves being critical. They would find themselves sitting there and say, I don't receive this. I don't believe this. Jesus continued to speak in parables, teach in parables. Scripture goes on to say, uh, speaking many things in parables, saying, here's the parable that he gives here beginning in the verse, a sower went out to sow, verse 4, and as he sowed, the sower being a farmer, as he sowed or planted, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately sprang up. Since they had no depth of root, they withered away. Verse 7. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seed fell on good ground or good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him or let her here. Now, it is assumed that the people who were listening, the people who were out listening to the message or the parable, that they had natural ears. Jesus is not referencing what's attached to their head. He's referencing what is attached to their heart. He that has, she that has ears, that has understanding, let them hear. Let them grasp. Let them understand. Let them take hold of what is being said. That, that, that's the idea. Now, later in, in verse 18, Jesus is going to explain the parable and open it up. Now, the believers, they're already tuning in because they're, they're following Jesus. And so now what Jesus says in verse 18 to explain the parable they're, they're going to get it. Now, the unbeliever will not. Jesus goes on to explain the parable. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word 
when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. He's talking about the birds. He's explaining. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom being presented, there are spiritual forces, demonic forces that are present and they seek to come with distractive thoughts to keep the one who is hearing the word from receiving the word. These evil forces, these distractions, these thoughts that come and it snatches what has been sown into the heart. This is what is sown along the path. Verse 20, And for what is sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. They get happy about it. Woo! That teaching today just blessed me. Oh, that word was good. Woo! I tell you. I tell you, that, that just blessed my heart. I about passed out in my seat just hearing that word. It was so good to me. That, 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 he says, they immediately, they, they receive it with joy. Verse 21, yet he or she has no root in himself, but only endures for a while. Only endures until you get to Golden Corral for lunch. <laughs> Only endures for a while. The first text you get, the first email that you get, the first phone call that comes to you this afternoon throws your whole day. You started out saying, this is the best day of my life because Jesus lives big in me. And by this afternoon, you're saying, pray for me. They immediately, but they only endure for a while when tribulation or persecution arises. And did you catch this? Why does it arise? On account of the word. On account of the word. Why does tribulation come? Why does persecution come? Because you have heard the word. The word has come. And persecution and tribulation will come to test are you really standing and believing God's word? Or are you just playing church? Are you just hearing a good sermon? Taking lots of notes, but not letting it sink in and take root in your heart. He goes on to say, he says that tribulation comes, persecution arises on account of the word. Immediately, he or she falls away. And for that, or what was sown among thorns, this is the person who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But look at verse 23. And for what was sown on good soil. Come on, tap somebody and say, that's me right there. Come on, tell them, that's me. For that which was sown on good soil, this is the person who hears the word and, watch this, not just hears it, but understands it. This person hears it and understands it. He indeed, she indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, and another sixty, and in another thirty. There are three elements that are brought out in the text I want you to take note of. You have the sower. Second, you have the seed. Third, you have the soil. The sower the seed and the soil. Let's identify them. The sower here 
is the Lord himself. It's Jesus. He's speaking of himself. You know, there are some who will teach that we are sowers of the word. And that's true uh, to some extent. We, we can state that. But in the context of what was happening in Jesus giving the parable, he is exemplifying that he is the one who is the sower of the seed. He is the farmer. He is the one who plants. So the sower here is the one who gives out or sows the seed. The seed is the word of God. So you have Jesus as the sower. You have the seed being the word of God. And then last you have the soil. The soil is the person who is hearing or receiving. Which, that which is being sown. Jesus is the sower. The seed is the word. And the hearer is the soil. Now the question must be asked. If that is the case. As we review these texts, this text, what type of soil am I? Am I the soil that is hearing God's word? And there are thoughts of distraction. There are spiritual forces that are trying to throw me off this morning and keep me from allowing this word to be sown into my life. Do I have the capacity To not only believe God's word, but to receive God's word? What type of soil am I? Am I the type of soil that when I hear the word of God being delivered, immediately I get joyful about it. I'm like, whoo, this is great. But the moment the test comes, the moment the trial comes, the moment the persecution comes, why? Because you heard the word. Because the word came to you. Am I one who just tosses in the towel and gives up? What type of soil am I? Am I the type of soil that I I hear the word, but then all of a sudden the, the cares of life, the struggles of life, the problems of life, my smud bill, my PG and E, I lost a job, I got a poor evaluation, my child didn't come home last night, the marriage is in struggle. Are are the cares of this life weighing me down? And choking the word that Jesus is indiscriminately putting out. See, he makes no respect to person. The, the sower just puts the seed out. Here's some seed for you. Here's some seed for you. Here's some for you. Here's some over here for you all. All the way in the back, here's some for you. He, he indiscriminately puts the seed out. He puts it out with no worries, believing that the seed that is being put out has potential to grow. The seed that is being disseminated has the potential to produce. He puts it out there. What type of soil are you? Are you that last soil that says, I'm good soil. Not only do I hear, all of them heard, but only one soil understood. All of the soils heard the word, but only one soil, the good soil, understood what was being sown and received it. It's not good enough merely just to believe, but we must also receive. Let me say it again. It's not sufficient only to believe. A whole lot of people believe. There's even indication in Scripture that demons believe. A lot of people say, I'm a believer, but are you a receiver? 
lot of people are believers, but are you receivers? I had a lady here in the church tell me last week, and we were just talking about something else, and she, and she didn't even know that I was going to be teaching on this, but she said something that just really made sense to me. She says, you know, you know, Pastor, it's amazing to me that people really will say that they are believers, but for whatever reason, whether it's for the fact that we are so performance-driven, that we're so work-orientated, for whatever reason, we have no trouble saying we believe, but we sure have a lot of trouble receiving. The, the majority of time that I spend convincing people that God loves them is not spent with unbelievers. It's spent with believers. It, I, I don't spend half the time with unbelievers convincing them of God's love. I mention God's love and they're like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's wonderful. I receive it. I talk to believers. Well, I just don't know. I just don't know. I don't feel God loves me. I just don't feel God loves me. I just struggle with that. I struggle with the fact that he loves me. Really? Let me put it in my vernacular. Really, boo? Really? <laughs> really? It's, it's, it's amazing to me. Look what happens here. Go with me down to verse 53. Let's unpack this some more and watch what happens. You're going to see why Jesus brings this out. This is so important. Watch this. And when Jesus had finished these parables, there were seven that he speaks of in chapter 13. When Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming to his hometown, he taught them. Please take note of that. Underline that word taught. He taught them. He taught them. He taught them in their synagogues so that they were astonished. Now stop there for just a moment. He taught them to the point that they were astonished. Now, I will say something to you. I've sat in a lot of classrooms under a lot of teachers. And I have to tell you, there are few if any, that I've ever sat in a classroom during a lecture and said, I'm astonished. If anything, I was bored. I was sitting up there popping M&Ms and nuts and, and seven up in the middle of eight o'clock in the morning, you know, trying to stay awake. I, there are very few that I can say that I, were, I was astonished by their teaching. I, I suggest that there was something beyond just the words that are coming out of the mouth of Jesus that is causing the people to be captivated and astonished. There's something else that's happening here. Let's find out what it is. And the people were astonished and said, where did this man get this, watch this, wisdom and these mighty works? Where did he get this wisdom and these mighty works? That, the, the mighty works that accompanied his wisdom. The, the, the mighty things, the, the miraculous things, the powerful things, the manifested things that accompanied the wisdom that was coming out of his mouth. That's what astonished them. That's what caused their mouths to hang open. That's what caused their eyes to pop wide. As they're hearing God's word out of Jesus, they're also observing his works. Is this not the carpenter's son? Now here is where they start sliding down the slippery slope. Here's where they get off. 
As long as they're astonished, astonished, it's not a problem. But watch what happens. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother called Mary? Are not uh, his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, are not all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And notice what it says in verse 57. And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to him, said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, in his own household. And notice verse 58, a sad commentary. And he did not do many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. He did not do many mighty works. It didn't say he didn't do any mighty works, but he couldn't do many mighty works. Why? Because the people had unbelief. Can I tell you something? To be in a state of not believing is a place that you and I do not want to be. Especially living in the earth today and seeing the needs of people that we are surrounded by every single day. I submit to you that God desires a church that has some power to help address the need. We are not just here to take up space on row 813. We are here to declare the kingdom of God. We are here to move and to see God transform lives. So that people will know there is an answer and there is a hope. Somebody ought to praise God for the kingdom. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. I'm going to be very frank with you. And this might upset some of you. Don't worry me. I'm I'm fine. But I really don't have time to play a lot of church games with folks and just go through the motions. I cannot waste time. I have to do kingdom business. I have to be about the kingdom. There's too many hurting people, too many broken people, too many sick people, too many families that are in destruction. Too too much is going on in our nation for me to just be sitting here and just singing nice little songs and coming here and taking up an hour and a half and then just going home. I need to know that when I come here that you and I are being stirred up by the power of the Holy Spirit so that when we walk out of here, we are the agents of God. Everywhere we go. We are the agents of God. We are His people. We are His vessels. God uses us for such a time as this. Please hear me, beloved. The people's inability to believe hindered their ability to receive. The soil there in Jesus' hometown could not receive the sown word of wisdom given by the sower. Again, God has no problem with you being astonished. The challenge becomes is when astonishment begins to move to analyzing. You move from, ah, oh, wow, to, hmm. Hmm. I just don't know if God does those kind of things today. I just don't. And, and you know, and it really is worse when you're going through something yourself and the doctor has told you that you have a certain 
diagnosis and here is the prognosis and the prognosis is bad already and you hear that and then you go to other quote-unquote church folks with the hope that they would give you some kind of encouragement and hope and they tell you, well, you know, my aunt had that same disease and she died. It, it, it just blows my mind. I tell people, if, if you hear that I'm in the hospital, please, please, if you don't have the faith to believe that God can touch me and heal me and raise me up, don't come. Send the sherry berries and the flowers, but don't come. You understand what I'm saying? I need somebody that's going to believe God. Somebody that's going to trust God. Somebody that's going to know. That, and I appreciate doctors. I appreciate medical science. I worked in a hospital for years. So I love working with doctors and so forth. But I love particularly working with physicians who understand that there is a great physician. That is not over until God says it is. I've got some folks sitting in this room right now. You will testify of the fact that the doctor said that this would be it for you. And yet God said not so. Because your assignment is not complete. See, I just believe that I cannot get out of here, out of this life, until my assignment is finished. I'm on an assignment in the kingdom. God's got some work for me to do. Notice here, beloved, that the word of wisdom could not be received by the people because they chose to move out of their astonishment into trying to analyze the situation. Can I say something to you? And I'm going to be bold again. Hear me, Bridgeway. Hear me, family. Signs and wonders should always follow where the word has been sown. I'm going to say it again. You can pat a cake if you want to. I'm going to say it just as bold. Where the word of God is sown, there should be some mighty works that take place. There ought to be mighty works happening in your family. Mighty works happening on your job. Mighty works happening in the school. Mighty works happening in the church. Mighty works happening in our community. Mighty works happening in the earth. Wherever God's word is believed and received in good soil, you read it just like I did, it ought to produce. There ought to be some evidence. There ought to be something that shows that this seed was sown. There would be a problem if seed was sown and there was no harvest. There would be a concern if seed was sown and there's no fruit on the tree. Wherever the word of God is sown, there should be, and I again affirm, there must be evidence. I had somebody argue with me once on the plane and they were going at it. They, they were arguing. I was cool. They were arguing. <laughs> they were arguing. Because we were talking about, does Jesus heal today? Does Jesus heal today? And, and I hold very firmly that I believe Jesus is our healer. And that he heals today. I, I do. And they, they were going back and forth with me. They said, well, I don't believe that. This was a believer. Or one who said he was. He says, I don't believe that healing is for us today. I don't believe Jesus does miracles today. I don't believe Jesus does signs and wonders today. And he was very adamant about it. I mean, he was very adamant. And I said to myself, and I did, and actually I did, I said to him, I said, well, let me ask you this. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is coming again? Absolutely. He is.
is coming again. I said, you do? You believe that? Yes. Jesus' word is true. Jesus said that he would come again. And I said this to him. So you believe that one day there's going to be the man, Jesus, who's going to come in the clouds. Right? I pointed out the window. There's going to come in the clouds. And all, all of a sudden at his appearing, uh, rotting corpses in the ground are going to be transformed and pop up out the graves. And dead folks are going to rise up out the graves and be caught up in the air to meet the Lord. And those people who are still on the earth, believers who are going to be walking on the earth, you know, doing everyday stuff, all of a sudden going to be caught up together in the air to meet the Lord. And we're going to forever be with him. You believe that? He said, yes, sir. I said, you believe all of this is going to happen, but you don't believe that Jesus can heal cancer. You don't believe that Jesus can heal a broken heart. You don't believe Jesus can set somebody free from an addiction. You don't believe that God can bring broken families back together again. You don't believe, you believe that one day he's going to pop up. Jesus is going to come in the sky and all of this other stuff's going to take place, but he can't do anything now. Really? Really? You don't believe that Jesus is here now through his spirit. Then he threw out to me, he says, well, what about, what about the people we have prayed for? And they still don't get healed. They die. I said, well, last I checked, it's appointed for everyone once to die. It's one per person. In fact, last I checked, even those that Jesus healed, they still died. I talked to Lazarus. Lazarus was raised from the dead. But how many of you know he still died again? <laughs> I, I held my own mother in my arms and she went to sleep in the Lord while I was holding her, believing that God would raise her up and would heal her body. She went to sleep in my arms. And went to be with the Lord. Does that diminish my faith in believing that God is a healer and that God is able to touch and touch someone, even someone like my mother who had cancer? Absolutely not. I dare not let the enemy come and make me believe, stop praying for people because my mother passed away. I dare not. My faith is stronger than that. Talk to me, somebody. My faith is stronger than that. Glory to God. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to just put it out to you like this. I'd rather live with the tension of believing. I'd rather live with the tension of believing and be left asking the question, I don't understand why it happened. I don't understand why I prayed and God still did not heal. I'd rather live with that than to live with the arrogance and pride that accompanies unbelief. I hope that made sense to you. I'd rather live with the tension of saying, God, I don't understand. God, I prayed. We believe God. This did not happen as we have prayed it. But God, you are faithful. It does not take away from your ability. Your reputation is not in danger, God. What I need to kick in is Romans 12 and 2. I need discernment. So that, as I shared with you last week, so that I might understand the good 
acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what I need. doesn't take anything away from God's ability. He's still able. I've seen him do it over and over again. Maybe that's why we need the Holy Spirit even more so today. In Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 2, we find these words. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from the roots shall bear fruit. This is speaking of the Messiah. This is speaking of Jesus himself. And it says in verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And then he breaks it down by saying, The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. That means power. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The sower, who is Jesus, was empowered by the presence and the authority of the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus has come to empower us. The same Holy Spirit. We are the representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 23, you'll find this. For this reason, Paul says, for this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. Did you catch Paul's words there? I've heard of your faith. In other words, your faith has something that is observable as to be reported. Your faith is producing something that is observable as to be reported in order for me to hear it and share it. He says, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know. That you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? That's his mighty acts that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one that is to come. And he put all things under Jesus's feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Who fills all in all. Jesus, through his Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, I like the fact that he says that you may know. That you may know. Somebody said, what you don't know won't hurt you. No, what you don't know may very well destroy you. The Holy Spirit comes. That you may know. That you may have wisdom. That you can apply the knowledge towards wisdom that again moves us from merely just hearing, but to understanding. From believing to receiving. You can't represent what you don't know. You cannot represent what you don't know. Knowing releases spiritual authority. Let me play a little little game with y'all and see if you understand what I'm saying here. Let me let me ask. I'm gonna ask the whole church this. I'm gonna ask all of y'all. Y'all look at me for just a moment. I'm gonna ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. How many of you 
believe that you're sitting in the chair you're sitting in right now. Let me see your hands. You believe. Come on, don't be afraid, y'all. Put your hand up high. How many believe you're sitting in the chair you're sitting in right now? Okay, put your hands down. Now, you believe you're sitting in the chair you're sitting in. Here's my question to you. Don't you know you sitting in the chair you're sitting in right now? <laughs> Do you really just believe? I believe I'm sitting in this chair. I believe I'm sitting in this chair. I believe I am. I believe I am. I believe I'm sitting in the chair. I, I believe I Do you know you're sitting in the chair? See, I submit to you that believing is what got you to the chair. You believe that as you walked over to the chair and you sat your tail, I mean yourself, down in the chair. You believed as you sat down in the chair, the chair was going to support you. Believing got you to the chair. Now that you're in the chair, you know you're in the chair. What we have to do as believers is move just not only believe, but to the knowledge. To knowing who we are in Christ. To knowing the authority that Christ has given us. Act like you know. Let me put it in our vernacular where I'm from. We say, you need to represent. <laughs> I have some, some of my godchildren are graduating right now. And so when we go to the graduations, my wife and I sit in the audience and we'll say, you better step. You better represent. That means when you go across, you act like you graduated. Move like you graduated. You know, wave like you graduate. Don't walk across with your head down looking all depressed and all sad. You want to work four years for this degree. And some money has been paid. You understand what I'm saying? So you better represent. I feel like saying that to the church. Y'all represent. Stop looking defeated. Stop looking like we are hopeless. Stop looking like you have no power. Represent. Be who you are. Hallelujah. Y'all going to make me preach here now. <laughs> Great Lord. Uh, one of the elders here in the church blessed me to be able to go to the, the Giants game. I hadn't been to a professional baseball game since 1972, and that was with the Oakland A's at the Oakland Coliseum. That was the last time I went to one. They blessed us. They blessed me to be able to go with some tickets, and I got the ticket, and I, I, I wanted the full experience. So drove down to uh, uh, Concord and took the BART from, from Concord and then got to the Embarcadero and then took the Muni from the Embarcadero to get dropped off right in front of the AT&T Stadium. And I stepped off and I had my ticket in my hand and I walked in and I noticed all these folks going up a ramp. Everybody, once you got through security, everybody was going up a ramp. Big old ramp. Everybody was going up the ramp. Everybody going up the ramp. And I said, well, I guess I need to go up the ramp, but I really need to know where my seat is. So let me go over and ask this lady where the seat is located. And there was a lady sitting there and she had a badge on, so she looked like she had some authority. She looked like she could tell me where I needed to go. You just don't ask anybody, you know. You ask somebody who looks like they know. And so I went to her and she looked at the ticket. She says, oh, you on club level. And I said, just the way she said it made me like, really? All of a sudden, I just really? My whole posture changed. I looked like an NBC peacock. I just leaned back. I was like, really? Whew. 
She said, you're on the club level. I said, do we go up the ramp? Do I go up the ramp? She said, no, 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 no. You just have to go to the elevator and push three. So by this time, I'm walking like I'm club level. I haven't even seen club level yet, but I am representing club level. You hear what I'm saying? And I start walking to the elevator and the elevator opens up and there's a lady in the elevator that pushes the button for you. And I got up to the third floor and I was thinking it was going to open up and I would see bleachers and so forth. When the elevator opened up, I looked and there was plush carpet and there were restaurants and there were private restrooms and, and everybody was walking around conversing and socializing and I'm walking through. I said, this must be what club level looks like. And I'm walking through club level and I'm waving at folk. I don't even know them. But I'm waving at folk and just saying, oh, this is wonderful. I'm on club level. And I went and got my food. I sat down. The seats were different. The atmosphere was different. There was a different experience on club level. But if I didn't know I was on club level, I would have acted as though I was sitting in the bleachers. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Come on, saints. You are on club level. You represent the kingdom of God. God has not forsaken us. He has some great things in store for our lives. Mark eleven twenty four. I'll close with this. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it. And it will be yours. You don't need more faith. Some people say, well, I need more faith. I might suggest you don't need more faith. You need less unbelief. It's the unbelief that's choking the word that is being sown towards you. Let me put it to you this way. Feed your faith and starve your unbelief. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing the Word of God. Constantly just hearing the Word. Hearing the Word over my fear. Hearing the Word over my doubts. Believing God. Can I put it this way? I feed my believer so that I can receive. I don't doubt God. He's able. There's a woman by the name of Natasha. I've known her since birth. Natasha, a month ago, was in a situation where she had gotten sick and all of a sudden collapsed. They rushed her to Kaiser Permanente over in in Sacramento. And they brought her there. And for the last several weeks, three or four weeks, she had been unresponsive, just not responding at all. And uh, on full ventilator, full support breathing and uh, not responding. A couple of weeks ago, the doctors called the family together and said, uh, she's not going to make it. You all make some arrangements. You know, plan our funeral, get the family here, have the people come, and say goodbye. And uh, so family started coming and what have you. Well, about two weeks ago or so, I was preaching over at the Center of Praise in one of the evening services. And I'd gone over there and preached, and I was preaching a message similar to the one I'm preaching right now. And in the middle of the message, I kid you not, in the middle of the message, the Holy Spirit began to move in such a way that the word of wisdom, one of the gifts of the Spirit, started being activated in my life, where I just began to speak out things over the congregation. And all of a sudden, what came out of my mouth were these words. 
Within seven days, those of you that are within an impossible situation, God is going to do something miraculous that you're going to see his hand at work. Now, that word went out to the whole congregation. The seed went out to everybody. Okay? It's not for me to determine how it's received. It's for me to deliver it. It's determined on the folks out there how they receive it. So I put the word out there. The Lord told me to say it. Now, I have to admit, I don't say things like that often. I'm, I'm very cautious about saying the Lord told me. Very cautious about that. But I knew he told me to say that. And then after he told me to say that, I got scared. I was like, Lord, you better back that up. Lord, please back that up. Lord, please. Lord, please back that up. <laughs> That's my humanness that still comes out. When I'm preaching to y'all, I'm bold with it. But then I'm like, Lord, please. I put it out there. Watch this. Watch this. Her family was not in the building. They were watching it on live stream. When the words came out of my mouth and I said that, they were watching the service on live stream. At Center of Praise, for you that have never been there, they break forth in praise. So we started rejoicing. I mean, myself included. I started cutting my step and I was like, hey, God, I pray. See, I've learned a long time ago. I don't wait to see the manifestation to give God praise. I praise God after I have believed, I start praising him as though I've received it. It's already happened. And I just started rejoicing and dancing and praising God. And the whole church was dancing with the bishop. We're all praising God and rejoicing and crying. And we're just giving God high praise in the place. And her family told me they started doing the same thing in the ICU. They started praising God in the ICU and just thanking God for giving them a miracle. Seven days within the beginning of the seventh day, I got feedback from the family that said, on the seventh day, Natasha opened her eyes. She opened her eyes. And yesterday, the report came back that she's no longer on a ventilator. She's in her own private room. She's responding to commands and her eyes are open and she's able to track what's going on. God is working a miracle of mighty works before our very eyes. That's why I don't let anybody tell me, God's not able. Didn't your mama die in your arms? She did, but Natasha didn't. You hear what I'm saying? That, that's God's business. That's, that's God's business. Lord, do your business. Just give me discernment to know your good, acceptable, and perfect will. And help me to trust you and not give up on you. So that I can keep doing the work that you've called me to do. Has this word blessed you today? Are you encouraged? Stand to your feet. Wrap your arms around yourself. I need to encourage you. Some of you got some things going on right now that you need a miracle. You need a mighty work to happen. I say to you with everything that's within every part of my being by the power of the Holy Spirit, believe and receive. The seed has been sown by the sower. Let the soil receive it. Keep those arms around yourself. Only believe, only believe, all things are possible if you only 
believe, only believe, only believe, all things are possible if you only believe. Come on. Lord, I believe. Can you say that with me? Lord, I believe all things are possible. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. He's the healer of broken hearts. Lord, I believe. All things are possible if you only Lift those hands, everyone. Lord, I receive. Can you say that? Lord, I receive. All things are possible. Lord, I receive. He's the healer of a broken heart. Lord, I receive, Lord, I receive, all things are possible, Lord, I receive. May your heart be made whole. God has not forgotten you. Even in this, the Lord will be glorified. He will show himself mighty. Trust him. He's got you. All will be made whole. In the name of Jesus. Come here, Charles. In the name of Jesus. We speak life. We speak life. I say live and don't die, man. <laughs> live. Yes. And declare the glory of the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be made whole in his name. Come on. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Lift your voices and give God the highest praise, everyone. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Give him a high praise. Give him a high praise. Hey! Give him a high praise. Oh! Come on and help me praise him here. Hallelujah. Bless his name. The prayer team, I want them to come up. The prayer team's going to be here in the front. Listen, if there's anything we can agree with you on, we're here to pray with you and agree with you. Believe, babies. 
and receive. Go in peace and serve the Lord.